this morning, we're going to be picking up uh, in our series titled Christmas Prayers. We are in part four. Uh, and so we're going to pick up. I'm going to try my best to pick up where Pastor Keith uh, left us off last week. He did an awesome job. Did anybody enjoy that if you came? We love it when he comes and visits with us. He preached heaven down last week. So I'm going to try my best to follow up uh, on that. Uh, but so we've been looking uh, through this series, through this, this message of Christmas prayers the last four weeks. We've really been looking at the, the story of Christmas, the scripture of Christmas, what it means. And I hope and pray you've been uh, uh, learning and growing uh, in your faith. And I hope you've been uh, uh, seeking the Lord and praying and fasting and doing these things that we've been talking about. Uh, as we, we, we literally put our prayers down and our petitions before the Lord on these snowflakes, hung them in the trees. So I hope you've been praying for those each week. Uh, and so that's exactly what we wanted to do. We want to look at the Christmas story. How can we become uh, better, stronger through it? There's nothing more important really than the story of Christmas. Without the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus can't begin. And so that's the most important story that we have, the story of Christmas, what it means. And we want to combine that most important thing with the most important thing that you have to keep you connected to God the Father, which is your prayer life. So how can we combine the two things to become better, to become stronger, and to become more faith-filled? So that's what we've been looking at and talking about. Let's go ahead and let's do some recapping before we get into the new part of our outline. Uh, we said a couple weeks back that they are at the first point this morning. So what are Christmas prayers? Christmas prayers are prayers scripted from the story of Christmas. The scripture becomes the script of our prayers. So that's really figuratively and literally what we want to do. We want to make the, the, the scripture, the scripture is the word of God to become our, our script as we go before the Lord, as we're, we're praying and seeking and, and talking to him on a daily basis, using, using the word of God as we pray and seek his face for the things that we're praying and believing for. And we said we really want to move away from this wishful thinking uh, type of mentality to a place uh, uh, of faith. Because do you know that it's not your wishful thinking that can change anything? It's your, it's your life of faith and it's your prayer life that has the ability to literally change the world. And so a lot of times that's what we do. We go to God and we don't mean to, and, but it's how, how we go to him sometimes. We go to God and we say, God, I wish you would just uh, help me in this situation. God, I wish you would change so and so. God, I wish you were here to help me. And we don't mean nothing by it, but we, we got we to get away from that wishful thinking mentality and move to a place of confidence and boldness as we seek his face and pray. We, we can pray heaven down. Yeah. Amen. We, we can bind and loose the things that are, which are in heaven here on earth. And when we, when we recognize that, see that, and tap into that, y'all, we can get out fire from God. We can, we can run and the enemy will run from us. They will tremble. And at the sound of his voice and the sound of truth. Let's go ahead and look at Luke 2, 1 through 7. This has really been our foundational scripture from the Christmas story that we've been using each week. And there at verse 1 it says, At the time of the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, this was the first census taken when Canarius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. 
And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled, say traveled, there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that, that just breaks my heart. I shared that a few weeks ago when I read that. The, 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 the world that Jesus was literally coming to save is trying to cast him out before he even gets here. The Savior of the world doesn't even have a place to stay, to be born. The enemy, the devil, the enemy, uh, the, uh, the world of which he's coming to save is trying to snuff out what, the promise of God and what he's trying to do and give us. But God said, and God did, amen, and he was born. Let's look at that, uh, that next point. That point we said a few weeks back, we said Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers. They declare identity over activity. They call those things that do not exist as though they did. They create, say create, your desired future, uh, build up, uh, encourage, and comfort. So this is really what we have to, we have to step into, y'all. We have to tap into this ability to begin to pray in a prophetic, powerful way. We said we have to begin to declare the identity over people, places, and things instead of saying and talking about all the time and gossiping even about the activity of which people, places, and things are doing or even involved in. Because just because they're acting a certain way, they're living a certain way right now, it doesn't mean that they are not children of God. They're not sons and daughters of the Most High. They have an identity in Christ, and we have to declare that identity and call that out, call the best, and draw the best out of people. And when we do that, we begin to declare uh, and prophesy and speak and pray the things that are not as though that they are. And by faith, we have to say that, yeah, just because it looks like this right now, it might be tough right now, God, I'm believing in what you said. I believe in your word. I believe in your promises. God, I heard you speak. I know you said. God, and I'm standing firm. God, and I'm praying and I prophesy in faith that this thing is going to happen. This thing is going to change. God, you're taking me from glory to glory. And when we do that, we can literally create new desired futures, new desired promises, new desired pasts. And when we do that, we come alongside others that we're praying and standing in the gap for. We build them up. We comfort. We encourage. And we say, you know what? I, it, yeah, it looks tough. Maybe I've been there. I know how you're feeling, but I know somebody. His name's Jesus. I know somebody who even the waves and the wind have to bow at his feet. The sickness and disease and sin and death and addictions have to bow at his feet. Every name, uh, every person will, will, will bow and confess at the name of Jesus one day. So that's what we have to do. We have to begin to move in to that. Let's look at that next point. So Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers. We said, but Christmas prayers are also prayers of praise. Say praise. Praise reminds us of who he is and what he has done. It invites his presence and releases the spirit 
of prophecy. Praise eradicates fear, it cultivates faith, and it produces corresponding action. And so, I hope you know as you pray, do you know you're called to praise in your prayer? As you pray and, and, and talk and, and commune with Him every day, we are called to praise Him. Really, we should enter into praise and thanksgiving first. Before we go and, and empty all of our junk and our stuff of life and all the things that we deal with, emotions onto the Lord, you can do that and you're supposed to do that. But really, before we do all that, we need to enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Because I said a couple weeks ago that it's our praise that has the ability to bend the ear of God. Anybody like to have nice things talked about you? you like when someone comes alongside you and builds you up and, and gives you praise? Well, I, we're created in His image, and I believe God likes to be praised as well. I think He likes to hear the good things that He's done in your life. Good things that He's going to do in your life. And when we enter in with praise, something happens. It reminds me, and I remember of who He is. And what he's done in my life. And where he's brought me from. And where he's, he's taken me. And, and I remember and it makes me more thankful. And also as it reminds me of what he does, has done for me. It reminds me of, of who I am. And, and why I need him in my life. Because I don't know about you but I'm kind of jacked up sometimes. I raise both my hands. And what happens is if we don't give him the praise and honor and glory that he's due, we'll go ahead and take credit for those things and those victories that have happened and transpired in our lives. And I forget who he is and what he's done in my life. And if you're not in a place of prayer on a daily basis or you can't find yourself going into your prayer on a daily basis, it might be because you forgot who your father was. You might, have been, you might maybe be taking credit for things in your life that you're not supposed to be taking credit for. And the enemy knows that too. If he can steal your praise, then you've lost sight of who your father is. And so it reminds us of who he is and what he's done, and it invites his presence. When we, when we give him praise, his presence comes. And when his presence comes, things change. And his presence is what actually releases the spirit of prophecy and truth in our lives. I said, we actually can't begin to properly prophesy until we have properly invited his, pray, his presence into our life first. Because if I haven't properly given him praise and invited his presence inside of me first, I'm not actually praying and prophesying. All I'm doing is speaking positively in my flesh. You know, speaking positively in your flesh has, doesn't change a thing. But if I, if I take the time to praise Him for who He is, invite His presence into my life, and begin to get new revelation perspective, because when His presence comes into your life, you begin to see things differently, you begin to hear things differently, you begin to see and hear the way He sees and hears. And then now I know I can see the problem. I can see the solution to my problem. Because his presence lives inside of me, and now I can pray and prophesy the way he wants me to. Some things can change when that happens. So we have to give him praise. And when we praise him, guess what? Fear has to leave. Condemnation has to leave. Your sin has to leave. Your judgments, your, 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 your jealousy, all these things have to leave. Because his presence is alive inside of you. Let's look at that next point. We said a, this is our last recap point. So we said last week, this is really where we, 
We hung out last week and Pastor Keith did such an awesome job of bringing this message and this word to us. We said Christmas prayers are persistent prayers. Persistent prayers are faith-filled prayers that see the end of a thing. God declares the promise. Tell your neighbor, say, He declares the promise. Here's the thing, though. He declares the promise, not the process. Persistence empowers us to press through the process and obtain the promise. God declares the promise, not the process. See, I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It's one of my life scriptures. I stand on it. I pray it all the time. It's what's on my snowflake. Because God says that, that he has plans and a purpose and a future and a hope for all those who believe and trust in him. And so that's a promise. That's a promise from the word of God. God declares that, and that is a promise. But guess what? He doesn't, he doesn't tell me. And remind me that there's a process to get to that thing, that promise. And so here lies the battle. This is where our faith comes into action. This is why we need him within the midst of our gap of getting to where we're going and seeing that promise that God has spoken. We have to, we have to stay put as we hold out for the promise. You got to stay put in your faith. You got to stay put and found foundate in the foundation and, and being grounded in what God has said, spoken first in your life. Stay put in that as you hold out by faith and hope for what He's going to do. You got to stay put as you hold out. You have to have you have to have long obedience, and you have to keep your faith up. You got to have your faith level up here, because what does the world tell you? The world says, don't get your hopes up because you might get hurt. Well, let me tell you, the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. If you do what the world says, don't get your hopes up so you don't get hurt. When you find yourself in the midst of tests and trials and tribulations and things that are going on in your life, and God spoke a promise, and, and it's getting tougher and tougher, if you don't have your hopes up, you are going to jump ship. You're going to give up. You're going to lay it down. You're going to say, did God really say that? And then doubt comes in. Did God really speak that promise? Am I really called to be a pastor? Am I really called to, to the Celebrate Recovery Ministry? Am I really called uh, to be in relationship with this person when God said it? If you don't keep your faith up, if you don't hold out or stay put as you're holding out, you might, you might, you might give up at the last moment. And we said last week that our God is a God of, uh, of perfect timing. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. And so if you give up at the last moment, what kind of blessing could you be missing out on? The answer to your prayer. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10 says. And he wants to pluck that faith from you and that praise from you and that persistence from you so that you'll give up, that you'll lose hope, that you'll question and doubt, did God really say? <laughs> How did he tempt Adam and Eve in the garden? Did God really say you're not to eat of the fruit? You got a hashtag, wait for it. That's what Pastor Keith said last week. What are you praying, believing for? Wait for it. With expectation. 
and excitement. You got to wait for it. I know we got some excited kids that have just been waiting for Christmas all month. All the parents are like, yeah, I hear it every single day. Can I open a present? Can I open a present? Christmas is three days away, and, and the anticipation gets more and more as it gets closer and closer, right? We got to be the same way with our Father. God, I'm expecting. God, I can't wait till you, till you answer this prayer, God. God, I see what you're going to do. I see what you're doing, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait till you answer this prayer. Amen. Let's, let's look at that next point. This is our first new point for this morning. So that's all of our recap. So really, each week we've given you a, really a specific thing to, 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 to gear towards uh, as we've been going through this message. So we said Christmas prayers are prophetic prayers. They're prayers of praise. And as I just shared, they're, they're persistent prayers. They're prayers that don't give up. And so today we're going to hang out here where Christmas prayers are inspired prayers. Inspired prayers. But by what? They are prayers birthed, inspired by the Word of God. If you have prayers that are inspired or birthed by anything else, whoa, you better watch out. Because if it don't line up with His Word, it's not His will. And if it's not His will and you're chasing that thing, you're going the wrong direction. You're doing the wrong things. And so we have to remain inspired by His Word and nothing else. Y'all, you, you, you better be careful because we live in a day and age right now where it's just media left and right, forwards, back, everywhere you look. You know, I have some amazing uh, pastors and teachers that I love to follow uh, and, and consume their, their messages and their material on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, these things. And we got to do that so we can grow. But y'all, we cannot be inspired or, or, or follow other people, other places, other things. We have to be inspired by His Word. I love hearing good messages and good, uh, and good sermons. You know, but I got to pray and seek God on those things. Sometimes when somebody says something, it just rings true in your spirit right away. Don't you love that? Like, that's so good. You instantly transplant that thing in your heart. But sometimes we got to seek, God, is this really inspired by your Word? Because the more you're inspired by anything else, movies, TV shows, music, secular music, People who are not following God, listening to people at your workplace that are not following God, giving you advice. As you're inspired by these things, we got to be careful that we're inspired only by His Word. When we're inspired by His Word, something is birthed, something takes place. That point says they are, they are prayers birthed by the, the Word of God. So if we're inspired by His Word... And it bursts a, a, a brand new thing. I was thinking and praying as I was studying, going over this message this week. Think of, I was thinking of, just think of a, 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 a beautiful pregnant woman who's like real far along, like eight, nine months. They're ready to pop. They're ready to burst. What does, what does that woman represent? What does, what does that symbolize? That symbolizes that there is a promise, a future, and a hope for a new thing to be birthed into the world. A pregnant woman walking around proud. As soon as you see her, you know 
God, something new is about to take place. There's, new, there's a new season for a mother and a father. There's a new season for a new baby boy or a girl. There's a new life literally coming. And you know without a shadow of a doubt that this is going to happen. This baby is going to come into the world. And the Lord was showing me, some of us have to be inspired by his word so much that something new is birthed, that we are walking around like a pregnant woman. We have to stand out and be the light of Christ. If you are inspired by God and what he's done in your life and by the, the promises and the hope that is in his word, y'all, we got to be impregnated with, with, with hope and, and promise of who God is. And if you do and you do those things, you will stand out like a pregnant woman in a crowd. And people will look to you and say, you know what, something's different. There's a promise and a future and a hope. I might need to go get advice from them. And guess what? You're going to give them advice from him. We can bring hope and promise into the world. Inspiration has to bring anticipation. And the closer that woman gets to her birth date, the more anticipation builds. The more this thing's, this thing's about to happen, the more we're inspired, the more anticipation we have to have. And you know what? Every single person that we're looking at through the story of Christmas, really every person in God's word had a word from God first. Mary had a word from God, right? You are going to be the, you're going to birth the Messiah into the world. Are you glad she held on to that promise in the process? Are you glad she didn't chuck that word? Or wait to the very end and say, did God really say? Did the angel really come and say? Joseph had a word from God. He said, yeah, don't worry. Mary's not out there cheating on you, doing all this crazy stuff. She's favored by God. I need you to be the father to this child. I need you to name him Jesus. Are you glad he stayed put as he was holding out for the promise of the word of God that he said? The wise men, the magi, they had a word from God. Go find the baby wrapped in, in, snugly in a manger and, and, and strips of cloth. They all had a word. Do you have a word from God spoken in your life right now? Has God spoke in your life? What's the last thing that he promised you? Are you seeking that thing out? Are you chasing that thing? Are you hold, staying put as you hold out? Or are you so frustrated? Are you so spiritually drained? Are you so done that you maybe you've already jumped ship or you're about to jump ship? God says he's got you. Stay put in a place of faith as you hold out. Let's read 2 Timothy uh, 3, 15 through 17. It says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is, there it is, inspired. Say inspired. By God and His useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every 
good works. So right there, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We have to hold tight to what God said in our lives because it makes us better. Ian gets better when I hold tight to God's word. When I hold tight to the inspiration that I get from God's word as we try and bring and preach his message every Sunday. Me and Pastor Keith, he builds most of the messages, but we build them together. And so I'm so thankful that he's drawing his inspiration from the word of God. Because that means we're drawing the inspiration for our messages and the sermons that we give you on Sunday mornings from the, from the word of God. And y'all study this out. You better go home and study this stuff out and see if it lines up. Not just because Pastor Ian said, you got, you got to seek this stuff out for yourself. But so I get better by his word. We as a church get better by, by drawing inspiration from his word. Your family, your workplace, your ministries, everything that, that you're involved in that you, can, that you can bless and touch and be a part of gets better if you draw your inspiration from the word of God. Instead of drawing your inspiration from Netflix or Hulu. Or whatever else. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We got TikTok now. I like TikTok. But I don't draw my inspiration from TikTok. I draw my inspiration from him. Something happens when we draw our inspiration from him and from his word. It begins to build my faith stronger. I begin to, to, to believe him for more and more and more in my life. Because as I read his word, I see that there's, there's impossibilities that he made possible over and over and over and over again. And his promises are yes and amen in my life. And if I stay connected to that and what he said, then I get stronger and I believe more. I hold out for more. I, I can stay strong in the gap of faith as I'm holding out. Uh, chasing the pursuit of the promise within the process. Let's look at that next point. I love this. So another thing inspired prayers are, inspired prayers are not just good ideas. Inspired prayers are God ideas. Inspired prayers are not just good ideas, they're God ideas. Do you know there's a difference between a good idea and a God idea? Good ideas, most of the time, are birthed out of uh, my flesh. They're self-preservating. I see uh, shortcuts and angles. God calls me to go the extra mile. I see ways that I can make more and work less. It's not necessarily bad, but if I do it the wrong way, it is. And so, so, so good ideas may even seem right sometimes. They might seem well and dandy, but God ideas are truth. Good ideas are birthed from, from my sinful flesh. God ideas are birthed from spirit, truth, and life, and creativity. Think of it like this. Good ideas are birthed from the creation. God ideas are birthed from the creator. <laughs> I want some fresh ideas from the creator. 
My ideas have already done, been, happened. We just keep doing the same old thing. There's nothing new in the world. You know, the same sin issues that we're dealing with right now are the same sin issues that they were dealing with in Genesis. It all boils down to self. And so, me, Ian, I need some more God ideas in my life. Good ideas are okay. Good ideas are birthed from the perspective of me, of you and me. God ideas are birthed from the perspective of heavenly places. When you're seeking God's face and you're praising for who, he's is, who he is and then you begin to prophesy and you begin to persist and expect that God is doing something good and, and you get a new, new, new revelation, a new perspective on your, your life and, and, and what's going on in your life and really what's important and really what isn't that important and you begin to see your family and your friends and the life of God and you begin to see, no, this is what's valuable. This is what really matters when you can begin to get God, the Father's perspective on life, on your life, on your workplace, on that person that, that is lost and out there in sin, and, and, and you wanted to judge them, and, and you're frustrated, and you're, you're, done, you're done with them, they've hurt you, they stole from you, and you, you invite his presence, and God changes your perspective, and he says, no. Remember when you're out there doing the same thing? You need to give them mercy. You need to give them grace. And our perspective has changed. Our heart is literally changed. We need God ideas. God ideas change the world. Let's read 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. It says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved, say moved, by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Y'all know the word of God was written by men. Under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you glad that they didn't just write down their good ideas? <laughs> they needed some God ideas. That's why we call it God's word. It's perfect. It's life-giving. It can change your life. This is the problem. Most of us are praying out of our own understanding. And we're not praying out of the revelation. And what God's done in our lives, the re revelation and the, the, the inspiration of God's word. All we do is, 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 is we, we just keep praying our problem. Praying our problem. Praying our problem. If we begin to be inspired by his word and what God says, we can begin to pray and prophesy the solution. How I get from point A to point B in this area of my life. How I can come alongside so-and-so and, and help them, if God's done work in my life, to, to get them from point A to point B in their life. And man, if we can uh, teach and preach and, and lead and come alongside and encourage others with God ideas... Woo, the worth will come on fire for God. Here's the thing, though. Out of our flesh, we just think logically, practically. When you're inspired by his word and you get a God idea, 
You're not being led by your flesh, by your body. You're being led by the Spirit of God. It won't make sense to your logical mind. You need the complete redeemed mind of Christ, which you have. You've got to declare that over you. Let's read Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. So if, if, if we acknowledge Him as Lord, and we accept Him with all of our heart, believe that He is uh, the Son of God, the perfect uh, uh, Creator, man, He will lead us and guide us. If, if we try and uh, do things on our own, man, we're going to get burned more than once. <laughs> I've been burned. I, I, I follow God and sometimes I'll have a tendency to, 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 to take my life back in my own hands and say, yeah, I might, I might know how, how to do this. Maybe I know better and I get burned. <laughs> Has anybody ever followed God with all your heart, been led by the Spirit and He leads you? And you got burned? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? You were led by the Spirit of God and actually you're praying, believing, and you're in the process and you feel like it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And you begin to question, did God really lead me into this place? If he did, why, why am I being tested in every area of my life? Why is this getting harder and tougher? Y'all, sometimes you got to chalk it up as his ways are higher than mine. And if you know the shadow of a doubt and he led you to that place and you feel like you're in the furnace, like you feel like you're on the cross, stay put as you hold out. Don't, don't, don't chuck that word if God spoke it. Because sometimes, I mean, God leads us. He loves us. He don't forsake us. But sometimes the thing you're praying for, believing for, it might get tougher before it gets better. Sometimes he affirms himself that way. And so don't jump ship. Don't jump ship on that word. Let's read that next point. Inspired prayers are not natural. Talking about the natural body and mind here. They're not normal or possible. They are impossible. Say impossible. They're not natural. They're not possible. They are supernatural. It is the point of prayer. It is why I need to go to God and speak with him every day because I can't do life without him. I can, but I'll suffer. It's your choice. Do life yourself and suffer or do life with him and get better. It, it, it's, it's supernatural. Inspired prayers are, are not natural. Most of us, some of us, a lot of times, we're, we're praying too small. We forget that we are speaking to the creator who said, let there be. Our God is so big, you're never even going to see how big he really is till you get into heaven one day. And he's going to blow our minds. We're going to see his provision and his protection over our lives. Every second, we're going we're gonna... to... Glory, glory, glory. You're worthy to be praised. Because he's that good. Some of us need to get bold with our prayers. I got a great quote I want to share. Uh, it comes from a pastor. His name is Pastor. Um, uh, oh, Lord. Uh, sorry, Mark Patterson, one of my favorite pastors. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. Uh, if you have never heard of him, look him up. Mark Patterson, he's a pastor in uh, Washington, D.C. 
he does uh, a lot of, he writes a lot of great books. Uh, and he's just a super smart dude. I read one of his books this last year. It's called The Circle Maker. Some of y'all maybe read it. But he says, and speaking of bold prayers, he says this. Bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. I read that and I said, man, that's good. That rang true in my spirit. I think that was inspired by the Word of God. I think Pastor uh, Mark Batterson recognized and sees that we can't go to God with our, we can with, our, with, with, with anything. But what would happen if we went with our big impossible prayers? I think God loves it when his son or daughter gets in the prayer room, in the throne room and says, begins to pray and prophesy in detail the, the, the dreams and the impossible things that they need their father to show up in their life for. And I think he's up there saying, my son, my daughter's caught on. He's figured it out. He sees that I love and care, that, care for them. He sees that I can meet their needs. He's believing by faith that I can do this. That's what we have to begin to do. Inspired prayers are not natural. They're not normal or possible. They have to be impossible. If you keep reading this word, there's impossibility after impossibility after impossibility. God makes the impossible possible. Let's read Luke 1, 34 through 37. It says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Y'all know it's impossible to give birth to a baby if you're a virgin? <laughs> Somebody knows. That's pretty impossible. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now already in her sixth month. There it is. For nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? That nothing is impossible with God? Then let's begin to pray like it. Let's begin to live like it. If we really believe that nothing is impossible with God, that has to change the way we speak. It has to change the way we live. It has to change the way I am when I'm around my family, around my friends, at my workplace. His word is powerful. Inspired prayers are impossible prayers. The entire Christmas story is a story of impossibilities. We just said the virgin birth is impossible. Does anybody believe in the the impossibility, the story of Christmas this morning. A couple hands. I got good news for you. If you really believe in the Christmas story, the impossibility of what that means, then nothing life can throw at you, any test, trial, a hard place that comes at you, it's going to require any more amount of faith for you to believe that God don't got your back if you can believe in the miracle of Christmas. That's all the faith you'll ever need for the rest of your life. 
If God can do that, that's just one still small miracle. If you can believe in that, which a lot of you showed by a sign of hands, why can't you believe the miracle that you need in your life right now? If it's a bill paid, if it's, if it's somebody you love and care about, if it's, if it's healing. What is trying to steal that, 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 that prayer of impossibility in your life? Is it doubt? Is it fear? Some of us need to just revisit the miracles that God has done. And he'll do it for you. The word says he's no respecter of persons. He can do it. He wants to do it. Can we go ahead and uh, get the worship team? Y'all can make your way. You can believe in the miracle Christmas. You can believe anything. It's the toughest thing you'll ever have to believe. You can believe that, that, that Jesus walked on water, conquered death, hell, and the grave. You can believe at any miracle you need in your life. Let's look at that last point. Christmas prayers are not a formula for prayer. However, they are a tool to help us cultivate a life of prayer that has the ability to change our lives. So, as we've been going through this message and as we close this message out today, I don't want you to think that this is like the, the, the formula, the key. It's not. However, it is a tool. I feel like we've given you four, four things that we can do to cultivate a life of prayer to help us get better. Anybody want to get better? We need to tap into the, to the, to the, the Christmas prayer as being a prayer of praise, ushering in His presence. Prayer being prophetic. Prayer being persistent, not giving up, having high hopes. And then we looked at today, prayer being inspired by His Word. So these are tools that we can use as we, as we talk to God every day and live for Him every day. These are things that can help us be better. And not just better sons and daughters of, of the Most High, but better husbands, better wives, better fathers, better mothers, better friends, better brothers, better sisters. We can change the world. And when we do these four things, y'all, it keeps us in faith and it keeps us filled up in the process as we hold out for the promise. As we do these four things, this is how we remain filled up, filled up with hope as, as, we're, as we're, we're waiting, 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 waiting for God to perform his word, to perfect his word. <clears throat> and I know and see and recognize that there's no worse place to be in life then when you're in the middle of a test of trial, when you're in the middle of the process, holding out for the promise, man, and you're on empty. Your, your, faith, your faith tank is on empty. You're done. You've, been, you, you, you've trusted God before. He's burnt you. He's hurt you. He didn't burn you or hurt you. That's a lie from the enemy. It may seem that way. That's an offense to get you disconnected from the one, only one who really loves and cares about you. 
And so if that's you, if you're on empty, man, you can leave here different. You can leave here changed. You don't have to be done. You don't have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. You can trust in him. Trust me. I can promise you without a shadow of a doubt, you can trust him. If you feel alone, you're not alone. If you literally are alone, if you feel like you don't have anyone in your life, come, come talk with me. Come find somebody after service. We'll put some people around you who love and care about you. You don't have to fight this alone. You don't have to do life alone. Amen. Let me go ahead and get the lights dimmed down. I'm going to go ahead and to a time of prayer, one last song of worship. And I really want to use this time. I didn't get to talk about our snowflakes a whole lot today. As we wrap this series up, this time is designated for those, those prayers and petitions, those things we put on the snowflakes and our Christmas trees up here. I want us to, to really dive into his presence and to begin to war and wage in heavenly places for those prayers. After this service, y'all can go ahead and take them prayers home with you or you can leave them up. We're going to leave our Christmas trees up through the new year or you can just leave them. Whatever you'd like to do, that option is yours. But I'd like us all to just bow our heads and close our eyes and get into his presence. As you begin to praise him, things begin to change. As we've been sitting here talking about the Christmas and the miracle Christmas and, and prayers and what they mean, how we can get better and how we can get stronger. If you're here with us today and you're here because you're broken. Talking about being on empty. Not having hope, not having joy, not having peace. Just feeling constant frustration and anger. If that's you and, and you've never accepted God in your life, you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you never called him Savior, I want to give you the opportunity today where you can accept him into your life. We call it being born again or getting saved. And I want to tell you, you can trust me that you can trust him. And I'll do whatever I can to help you along in your your faith in this decision, we call it a decision for Christ. It'll be the best decision you ever made in your life. But if that's you, everyone's eyes are closed and we're all praying. We're actually all praying for you if that's you. I want you to do something. I want you to stand up right now. Right where you're at. Might be the, the toughest thing you've ever done. It's something that we do every day without thinking about it. We just stand up. But I'm asking you to stand up for Christ right now. If he's, if he's speaking, if, it were, if he's giving you a word this morning, why not do something with it? If you know that's you, stand up for him. If you say, why do I got to stand up? You got to stand up because, man, he went to a cross for you. He was beaten, he was broken, hung naked. The word says if you deny uh, him, speaking of his son Jesus before man, that God the Father will deny you in heaven before his angels. So if that's you, I'm going to give you a few more seconds. Please don't let this pass you by. Your life can change. Amen.